Now, now, see here. This won't do. This has gone quite far enough. Beyond the bounds of prudence and good taste. to TV Ate My Dinner. This is episode one for July 21st, 2007. My name is Sean. I am one of your hosts. With me here are Greg and Brooks. Hey, how you doing? Howdy. And we will be All discussing... All right, good show, guys. <laughs> we will be discussing See you next media week. issues. Yeah. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> Leave them wanting more. Yeah, we will be discussing media issues, mostly just movies and television kind of stuff. But not just movies and television. We're going to talk about more than that. We're going to talk yeah, about stuff. the things that affect movies and television. You know, the impact of movies and television. The imp- impact of movies and television. The impact of politics on movies and television. The importance of movies like the Transformers. Imp- yeah, <laughs> which is and, which and, is the topic of tonight's show. And uh, Ernest goes not, to camp. You know, the not Seminole, to get too heavy-handed, you know, uh, <laughs> we are going to be talking about robots that turn into cars. You did see it, didn't you, Sean? I I saw it before you guys saw it. Oh, okay. I've been waiting for you to get up to speed. Oh, sorry. I'm up to the I I'm up to speed with the entire summer over this year. Well, I haven't seen Evan Almighty. Seen. Which was, which is mainly the reason. Uh, this is the first one I've seen, and that's actually why I don't want to talk about movies all the time, because I'm getting old and I don't go to the movies like I used to. <laughs> so we'll talk about TV sometimes. Good, but good. it's summer, so like summer's a time of movies, and we don't have that many TV shows. Yeah. Unless you watch HBO, there aren't that many new TV shows out right now. Yeah, so I've just been busy getting late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is yeah, why so, guys like us watch Transformers. So Sean. You said uh, earlier in the discussion before we had everything going that you had points that you wanted to bring up about Transformers, and uh, we had to wait yeah. until we went and saw it. So, fire away. Let well, the I did have begin. i I did have some notes on the Transformers movie. I don't know if you want. I'm I'm blessed in that I'm not a big Transformers like super fan. Like I did watch the cartoon, but it. But I'm pretty flexible on the concept of adapting a series of toys into a movie. Like, I like the idea that they got Michael Bay. I think he is definitely the guy to direct Transformers. I disagree, but go ahead. (laughs) He is. Look, do you want him doing Transformers or do you want him doing Pearl Harbor? (laughs) I mean, they found a guy, like, visually he's awesome. He's very heavy-handed in the fact that he believes he's he's a good visual director. But he doesn't really hack it for content other than stuff like, you know, cars that turn into robots. Well, I guess that's true. I guess if you're going to give Michael Bay a movie, a, a movie about transforming robots is the one to give him. But I, yeah, if, if you're going to assign him a genre, that's yeah, the one. But I personally think he's, he would have been just a, uh, he would have been a better DP and let have somebody else do the actual directing part. Well, he didn't he, write the script though. To me, the, the, the biggest issue is the, it wasn't the story, but it was – I thought that the robots were too stylized. Yes, definitely. To the point Design where – Design-wise, definitely. Yeah, I don't mind them changing the look of them because, like I said, it was toys. But I, I couldn't tell necessarily when I was watching the scenes which was which, like when they were fighting. Because they basically had one that was featured through like the first hour of the movie, and then they just sort of introduced everybody else. And the only one, like Optimus... Yeah, you really didn't see much interaction at all between anybody Yeah, well, the rest of them didn't really have personalities and, uh, at all. Megatron, I guess. You, no yeah. one else talks for more well, than once. Uh, one. Well, that was yeah, that was one of the, uh, be my comment, was that uh, one of the great things about Transformers was that, uh, you know, each Autobot or Decepticon had their own, had their own character. And, and it was entertaining to watch because, you know... Even though it was a, a cheesy '80s cartoon, uh, they had a lot of interplay 
internally inside the Autobots and inside the Decepticons, especially the Decepticons. I think the dynamic. Well, that's kind of the problem with and it was Starscream was always very interesting. I kind of think that they had two separate approaches for this movie, which is the first one was let's treat it like it's a movie for people who don't know anything about Transformers. Like, what if robots came from another planet and they took over and they were able to take the form of cars and stuff? And I think that was that was a good way to go. But then about halfway through the movie, they wanted to have like payload for people who actually knew the Transformers. And so halfway through the movie, did you ever see a movie called uh, Small Soldiers that with Tommy Lee Jones where it was like the toys are killing people? Yeah. I, s- I don't I remember saw, it, I don't but remember I have seen well. it. <laughs> well, it was a terrible movie. But it's like it's, Transformers sort of reminded me of that, whereas like halfway through the movie, it's just like all these strange talking things fighting each other, and the kids have to keep it a secret from mom and dad. Like it, it, it completely takes away from this global scale that, like the movie starts where they're like in Iraq or something, and soldiers are fighting like this scorpion Decepticon thing, and then later on you've got like Shia LaBeouf trying to hide Optimus Prime from his mom while he's stepping on her yeah, petunias or something. <laughs> that yeah. was the point where you're like, okay, I'm going to let this scene slide because we're doing okay, but move it along. That was unfortunate. Yeah, I, that was an know, unfortunate it, break it in an otherwise those, decent movie. Yeah, it was one of those things, actually, where I, I was kind of laughing at it. It was funny. I mean, come on, robots hiding and being all... Yeah, you know, contorting themselves robots, to fit yeah. with a house and stuff like that. I mean, it was funny, but, it was but, I, cute. but the whole time I was thinking, it's like, you know, this is, it's just a, it's an unnecessary scene. It didn't you know, fit with all, the rest of that movie. Yeah. One of the things yeah. I thought made the movie work was they really did have a lot of good lines and they really, it was pretty funny. Like they, they played it in a way. I actually liked LaBeouf in this movie and he kind of annoys me. Because he's just he's just been in so many movies for no reason. Well, once his once his character actually got sucked up into the whole or, order of events, I started to enjoy his character. But when the, when he first started out and he was trying to hawk his grandfather's sunglasses in the classroom and all that kind of stuff, I mean, I thought, oh man, this is a classic Michael Bay character where you got this, you know, shyster kid, you know, who's trying to to get over and make some money to go buy a car. I mean, it's, it's, you know... Well, and then it uh, turns out Bay that, that, whole, that whole element is a plot device. That's one, something I don't like about that. The, the whole thing about the eBay and the glasses, that's the big plot device that brings them all in. And I, and I kind of thought, you know, wouldn't you think that they would all descend upon this planet because Megatron is frozen there? <laughs> like, if they needed a reason, how about going after Grandpa's glasses is not that important? But Grandpa found Megatron frozen in the ice, and that got everybody's <laughs> attention. Well, apparently they didn't know that Megatron was frozen in the ice, and and it, uh, maybe I don't know, but but I guess maybe uh, Starscream had been running everything the whole time, and he didn't want Megatron to be unfrozen. <laughs> That's where things got a little weird because yeah. they were so reticent at the beginning of that movie to actually show interplay between the robot characters. That by the time they all show up and they're all talking like crazy jazz jive talk, like we learn how to talk off the internet and all that. And jazz walks up like, what's up, my homies? (laughs) Like, what is happening? This movie is very like at least serious in the sense that like there was a story. Jazz was the only character that was only Autobot that even resembled it, the same character from the TV series. That's I mean, not always a good thing. I, like, if they make a G.I. Joe movie, I don't want Roblox walking up and talking all kinds of crazy <laughs> smack. It's like, you don't have to talk like an 80s cartoon. We get it. You can no, modernize. But, but there's but there's, there's certain things that you got to respect. Like, you know, if Ratchet talked the way Ratchet talked back then, I wouldn't care one way or another. But Optimus, Bumblebee... Megatron and Starscream were probably the the four main characters from the original series, and if they were Soundwave, uh, man, where was Soundwave? Soundwave I, got the the crap treatment because yes, clearly, like the little robot is supposed to be Soundwave because he I turns into a boombox. I think that's and just he one they CDs made up. at people instead of well, they did make him up because he's so he's so he so much does not resemble Soundwave that they might yeah. as well have made him up. Yeah, I I didn't get the impression at all that that was even supposed to be Soundwave. I actually heard well, a rumor before that that Soundwave was going to be in the movie, but he was going to be an iPod. <laughs> they must have had a deal fall through. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe, and maybe some sort of product placement issue that didn't quite work out. But uh, well, here's the thing, though, that they had a trouble wrestling with that I think they did well, which is that uh, they had to deal with the actual dimensions of the things being portrayed in 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 the movie, like. In the cartoon and with the toys, you know, they just shrink and like Megatron can't be a pistol. Yeah. Because he would be six inches tall as a robot. Like in a cartoon, they just say, well, yeah, he shrinks and grows. It's like, if he shrink and grow, why does he have to turn into anything? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> well, they, the that... only way to make the movie is to say that they turn into things relative to their own size. But man, he was huge in the movie. Megatron? He's like 40 feet tall or something. Yeah. Well, one cool thing is if you notice, Megatron doesn't turn into any kind of Earth vehicle at all. Like, he's always no. a spaceship because he never takes that kind of form. That's sort of their way out of explaining. Like, he doesn't, they don't make him become something else. He's just some big bad thing. Well, uh, probably they know they knew they would get a lot of fan reaction if they had him turn into something like an air, like a, just a, a military jet because the transformer purist was like, you know, Megatron's not a jet. He's a cannon he might, or something like that, but he can't be, he can't yeah. do the same thing. Starscream is. Yeah. You can't have like a, a, a handgun fight a Mack truck. <laughs> like that's, that's no contest at all. He's like ripping jazz to pieces, which is a sad old sci-fi convention. Jazz is the only black Autobot. <laughs> oh, he's the Lord, only one to fall. <laughs> he's the only one that gets killed. <laughs> Michael Bay. There's there's some <laughs> Michael Bay. He follows the uh, the conventions in some ways. Anyway, my biggest complaint about Transformers, and and I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this, obviously, but and of course it's a, ri- a ridiculous concept from the beginning, but at the very end. I guess they're they're trying to play off like nobody knows that any of this happened. Like even alien though it's like robots, in the middle of the city, yeah. please. And and an entire city literally gets wiped out in a huge battle. People everywhere, a ridiculous amount of people for it being a small city no one's ever heard of. There were just people like carrying bags and strollers and stuff all along the street corners. You know, go downtown Atlanta or something. How many people do you actually see walking around on the streets? That's one thing that bothered me about this movie that bothers me about all comic book cartoony movies because I was watching Superman 2, the director's cut, which we can – I could tell you about in a minute. Uh, I want to catch but that one. Was, the Richard Donner cut. Yeah, but I, I noticed something while to. watching that that bothered me also in Transformers is whenever they have movies where they have these big battle scenes in the middle of a city, there are always tons of people standing around that seem to be fully unaware that are always there to get like hit with masonry and stuff. Like, wouldn't you think after like a couple of minutes, people would be running like, holy hell. Like every time. And they all, it's like a woman with a baby stroller. It's like, not like people with video cameras trying to catch it. Like onlookers. It's like people caught completely off guard. Yeah. And there are no police, no ambulances or anything like that. Nothing is going on. Like a million scenes in a row of just people standing around. And I know, you know, we're not the smartest people in the world, but you know, when robots trashing the place, (laughs) I think that's something that would not escape your, your notice. I think there would be a level there of, I mean, yeah, we we do have that rubberneck stuff, you know, where we, you know, where we like to to kind of drive slow past the car accident and stuff. But I think if one of the cars turned into a giant forty foot robot, you know, we that might battle, look for a second, but then we decide we, you know, it'd be a good time to get out of there. I believe. Yeah, they were jumping on top of buildings, chasing people them down on the interstate, and they like rammed over uh, an overpass and landed on the road below. I yeah. mean, hundreds of people and would have seen that. And traffic continues yeah. unimpeded. Like, no yeah, one ever, like, people driving. are, all these cute cutaways of people going, ooh, robots. But, like, yeah, there's no never a moment goes, where cool, the roads Mom. are clear. Yeah. There's never a moment where all of a sudden they have the place to themselves, which would happen in real life. <laughs> like, the word would get around. Or at least a news chopper would show up. I mean, I just, yeah, that, that battle went on for, like, every, 20 minutes. Every yeah. scene was people completely amazed that this was happening. Like, what what robots? Like, there was never a moment where people were coming and going, okay, come check it out. It was always, like, somebody doing something else. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, they almost got stepped on by Optimus Prime. <laughs> and, of course, it's a silly movie. But, but it seems to me it, it'd be a simple thing for them to just add that little touch of realism that I think would make it a lot a lot better movie. And I know 
uh, the reason why Bumblebee was a Camaro in this movie was, oh, was Volkswagen. Because, yeah, Volkswagen. They 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 refused to allow the Volkswagen image to be used in the movie in a, in a violent fashion. It was, yeah, was the did. official story, but. I personally think that was a mistake because they would have sold a heck of a lot of yellow Volkswagen Beetles. Yeah, plus it would have been cooler. Uh, I'm sorry. Did did you guys get the the email I sent about the auction? Yeah. Yeah. I saw it, that. it is like, cool how they have an eBay tie-in with the movies. Well, that Camaro was did, at uh, thirty thousand at last time I saw. So yeah, that might be good to pick up pretty, just if you want a Camaro. That's a pretty good deal. Yeah. It's it's cheaper than that Cube. What's it called? The All yeah, that thing. That thing was expensive. It's more than a car, and I, I I would think that the car would be a much more desirable item to have. If I were a fan, I'd totally rather pop, be driving around. But it's a car. Yeah, I, I would much rather have the car myself. But I guess because you know you could you could go buy a Camaro and and make it look like that car, you know. So. But you could never yeah, get well, an that, authentic replica of the Allspark. But, but this Camaro actually had the Autobot symbol on the steering wheel. Well, that's you pretty can, awesome. Yeah, but you can fabricate that. You can do that. Well, you can yeah. fabricate an Allspark. Yeah, but well. this one actually turns into a robot, which I don't yeah. think a normal Camaro <laughs> would do. And what, and what the hell's up with Allspark? I mean, is this like a... Okay. Here comes I'm, the purist. Yeah, here, here, here comes what the purist. This the nerd what thing? is this Allspark? This is, this is the I got to tell you, Matrix I didn't even speech. remember, was there not an Allspark in the cartoon? No, it was the Autobot Matrix. Matrix of Leadership was what it was. Oh, God. Am I going to be like the official nerd on this, <laughs> on this podcast? Yeah. Uh, You're going to be the perhaps. official Dr. Unicorn's Flight's Fantasy. <laughs> You're going to host that segment of the show. But after the, you know, when they did, when they did the, the animated movie, that was a plot device in the movie, was that... Didn't they give it to Rodimus Prime? Yeah, they gave it to Hot Rod, who, who <laughs> yeah. became Rodimus who became Prime. Rodimus good Prime. porn name. Yeah, yeah uh, Rodimus Prime is the best porn name. <laughs> Although I like Harry Balsack, personally. Because I'm a classicist. But that was my biggest complaint with the movie. That's all I'm saying. The, the, the end Which, part there. And, and there were other things that bothered me, too, of course. But, but most with a movie like that, you can take most stuff with a grain of salt. Here's the, the problem with the cartoon, movie. the movie, the toys, everything that I've always had, which is, you know, yeah, sure, you're turning into these cars to hide. But then people see you that you're, you know, you're Optimus Prime and you have clearly this, this very specific detailing and all this. But you never take the form of another truck. Now that you're known as that, like that's your look. And you know they can because Bumblebee does it just on a whim. He does it for no reason. Yeah. Just to show off. Like why didn't he turn into a cool car to begin with? And the kid would have picked him out for sure. But that's my thing too. I don't understand the purpose of them disguising themselves because everywhere they go, they just tear everything to pieces. Like especially the Decepticons. Like really, everywhere you go, you come out of the ground and rip everyone to shreds. Like why? Why hide? That was from another purist standpoint. That's that's something I didn't quite get either. Was what what kind of robots Decepticons were they? I I never knew of any kind. Of, I guess maybe the Beast War series that. The, oh, the, later, the scorpion thing or something? Yeah, the later ones. I think on some from, of them they just picked something yeah. that looked cool. Like Devastator was not anything like the Devastator, except that he was a construction vehicle. He wasn't really anything like the, the toy. Yeah. Because, And that would have been kind of cool. You could have done that, where several of them combined to be one. But I, as far as that, if you're a big purist, you would be nah. disappointed in the movie because they really do trash, except for a very few of the known characters, they really do trash like the actual like existing characters. Yeah, yeah. In their only Optimus really is is a pure. Yeah, and they go out of their way kind of with him. They get the guy to do the voice and everything. That's the concession to the fans. They're like, here, you can have this because we're tearing everything else a new one. Well, I think they lost something with that because. And I, and I wouldn't normally say that because you know things like like other franchises like Lost in Space and things like that, those types I think actually benefit from a breath of fresh air, uh, from changes. But um, of course, Lost in Space I guess is a bad example, but I liked it. <laughs> the um, movie. Yeah, well, I liked the production design. I thought it, I, I liked mean, the it, movie. I just thought yeah. the, the the CGI in it was pretty horrendous. Oh really? That the space monkey? Come on, man! Oh well, the space monkey. That was horrible. But but the actual, but the sets, the ships, and 
and all that kind of stuff. I thought, you know, the actual production design I thought was pretty cool. I thought uh, that was a good example of a movie where they sort of preserved the cheesiness, but they also took it up a notch as far as like the production quality. So I think they sort of did that in Transformers, yeah. where they you didn't forget what they came a, from. If you want to get a kick out of Lost in Space, watch it again and and look at uh, what's his face? God, the guy who plays Joey on Friends. LeBlanc. Uh, LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Watch it and imagine that that is the character Joey acting in a movie because he really does act like Joey. <laughs> Joey does what he's acting. Which is kind yeah, of funny because so it's it like. pretend that that's what it is and it's actually pretty entertaining that way. What is it in, in Charlie's Angels? He plays an actor and they have the scenes where. It is true. That, oh, guy's, yeah. like a, that guy's like a pseudo actor. It's like he's <laughs> always playing actors who are bad at acting. <laughs> that is a pretty good perspective to put on the whole thing. That would explain that monkey movie where the monkey, the guy in the monkey suit plays baseball or whatever. Like, wait, you know, that's exactly the kind of script that Joey would have picked. It's like is Mac, that, is that he's the star movie? of Mac and Cheese. Yeah. <laughs> is that a Matt LeBlanc movie where some, a guy dresses up in a gorilla suit and plays baseball? No, it's supposed to be an actual chimp, but it's just clearly and obviously a guy in a chimp suit. <laughs> Oh my lord! What I think the name of the movie is Ed or something. Oh yeah. Oh my yeah, god! You right. gotta. I've never seen this film, but we have to pick it up at some point because it's like I remember looking at that and it really helped to illustrate at the time, which still kind of holds up, but not as much. But at the time when Friends was a big hit, any movie that had any one of those actors in it was destined to be awful. And he was the it's best example of that. Still pretty true. I can't think of any. Yeah, they're doing okay now, but it's still, like, uh, now I think they're branching into, if they're doing TV, they're all right. Yeah, well, like I, actually, like I like Studio 60. Matt, well, Matthew I was Perry about to talk about the, the great and TV I, show that is now canceled, Studio yeah, 60. Yeah, that was an awesome trip. show. And that, that yeah. to me, was the show of last year, and no one watched it. So it's going to be the greatest show that no one ever watched. Yep. Well, I'm to blame. I didn't watch it. I'm sorry. Well, they, it's really NBC is a lot to blame because they put it in a bad time slot. They didn't promote it except at first. And then when it didn't take off right away, they sort of gave up on it. And, you know, they didn't they, – they kept it around long enough to finish out the season, but they weren't promoting it at the end. Being in that Thursday at 10 time slot should have helped them get viewers, but they weren't really marketing. Well, but they were already in reruns, so probably a lot of the – you know, the good viewer base was already gone because they'd already, you know, watched all the episodes of My Name is Earl and all the other lead-in shows. Yeah, but I think so, there were still a lot of people like myself that were watching those shows on Thursday because I wasn't watching them on the first Well, when it, when it first came on, I, yeah, I was thinking that Thursday at 10, if they'd ever, you know, kill ER, that that would be the best place to, to put it. But I guess they're not ever going to kill ER, even though I've, I, know. I, I stopped watching it three seasons ago. And next year, they'll probably still be trying to shove 30 Rock down my throat. It's like, um, that show comes on in between two shows I love, and I'll still find something to watch in between. <laughs> I tried to watch that one. I just couldn't get into it. It just it, Man, it just seemed, it seemed like it was a hokey version of Studio 60. Yeah, you know, and it, not for to have that much talent behind it, not a very good show. Because, uh, because well, let's see, Tina Fey, awesomely funny, awesome writer, and Tracy Morgan, I think, is real funny in things. Uh, see, I can't I'd stand like, Tracy Morgan. Well, he I mean, I think... Dealer, deal, deal killer for me. Well, I, I, I don't think when they did the Tracy Morgan show that was the way to go, but to have him as a bit player works. And then having Alec Baldwin in the show help. But if you've seen Studio 60, you've seen that same basic concept done on a bigger scale with better people and just basically overall done better. Yeah, and much more intelligently written and and a more visually pleasing show to look at because the set is, is magnificent in that show. They also and found a, a way in that show to show how television is tuned into the world. Like to find or, a show about a TV show and see how every it's it's related in some way to everything that's going on or, in the world. Or maybe not necessarily tuned into the world, but how TV reacts to the world. Well, same thing. Or maybe overreacts to the world. While we're you know, watching it, it's watching us. The whole There's a whole concept there where you can say that a TV show like that is still a microcosm of the whole world. 
and that was a really interesting thing to say. It's like because when they're talking about like how how television studios and networks need to appeal to more intelligent broadcasting and provide more intelligent broadcasting to people, they need to be looking for a better audience. Uh, that's really talking about America. That's really talking about you know where we are, where everything we, we appeal to the lowest common denominator of everything in entertainment also. And uh, that they did it in a real clever way, which was also a very entertaining and very funny show. Like it wasn't to the point where you couldn't watch it because there was like some kind of moral of the week. It was, it was always a really funny show that was worth watching. So, and it's kind of ironic that that, of course, doesn't get the support of the the studios and the networks, and it's gone. Because <laughs> well, it's all, it was a, the... it was a big appeal for for better. We deserve better. Was is the whole concept? Yeah, and then there was some scuttlebutt around the internet that the, you know that they killed the show because they hit a little too close to home. I don't necessarily think that was true. I think uh, I think it just didn't get good good ratings, and it was an expensive show to run, and they uh, you know they gave it the axe. Well, I think if it had been a runaway hit, they would have forgiven it. But I think there was sort of there was sort of a tendency to not give it every shot because they, I think they secretly wanted it to fail. And I don't think they they don't want any show to fail necessarily because it's a big waste of their money. But I think oh. at some point they were like, we're not going to give it every chance to thrive because this is your your argument is that when great TV is presented to people, they'll gravitate to it. So let's see. And <laughs> Unless it, they'll know about it and then they, you know, they don't ever watch it. Which... Well, that's the thing. When they for, and it, there's also a certain amount of the way they promote a show. Like they promoted Studio 60 a lot at first on the people who were in it. Yeah. And well, I thought to myself, right. this is not going to be a good show. I'm not going to watch this show. You got me to watch that show because mm -hmm. you told me what it was about and you told me it was good and it was worth watching. And then I watched it. And one episode and I was hooked. But I was not going to watch that show based on the marketing. Well, I think you're right. It's Because I, when I first saw the previews for it, I didn't know what it was about. You know, I could tell it was, a, you know, kind of about Hollywood and – you know, that was about it. And, uh, you know, I was going to watch it because I was a big West Wing fan back in the day. And now, you know, Aaron Sorkin, who produced West Wing, mm -hmm. was producing this show. Which I had I never watched until after Studio 60. Yeah. So also because of me. Thank you very much. Well, exactly. And, uh, like I'm Netflixing <laughs> it like crazy. It's like my favorite show that's been off for five years. <laughs> uh, but... Um, yeah, so I mean that that's what drew me to the show was just my knowledge of the producers and 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 you know I enjoy the actors. I, I was intrigued to, to see what um, um, Matthew Perry was going to do in the show because which he did uh, a really you know, good job. I, yeah, if I, I wasn't, I actually was never a really big Friends fan, but if I was a friend fan of a friend, it was Matthew Perry. I, I liked his character a lot, and um, so. You know, yeah, it's a shame. Uh, the show really was good, and uh, uh, it, it was it was it was good nerd content for for me because I, you know, I really love shows uh, about television. That's for our I'm kind of nerd, in. their yeah, biggest mistake our... was it ran after Heroes, and they were thinking like the normal nerd would care about a show like that. But yeah. it's like it's for nerds like us that care about like. TV and movie production like that would want to do something like that but it's not yeah. about people who it's not uh, it's not marketed towards people that want to be superheroes that's not the market well, there yeah and I think I, I could kind of see a marketing guy sitting and making that connection it's like oh yeah you know the you know the the, the, the you know fans who the genre fans who like you know, who likes something like Heroes will probably enjoy Studio 60 because it's about television. You know, it's about producing the, the same kind of stuff that they were watching just an hour before, but but it didn't really work out that way. I, I think that the show, I don't want to say too intelligent, but it was a little bit more of a, a, a higher level of comedy and, and writing than what 
what is in Heroes. I, ha- I want to say I don't. I don't want to say that either because Heroes is a good show. Well, Heroes but, is a good show, but in a totally different way. Yeah, that style of writing and the whole kind of show that they did is completely different than the kind of person who likes Studio Sixty. Like we're we're a different cross section of that viewership and that we like both shows, but we don't like both shows for the same reason. Right. We right. just happen to like two different kinds of shows, and those are two of the kinds. But if you're a fan of Studio 60 or of the West Wing, uh, uh, another show you ought to try to watch is Sports Night, which was a uh, show did, that yeah. was – Another uh, – and that was an Aaron Sorkin show, right? Yeah, yes, it early. was. It was an Aaron Sorkin show, and it, it was – it, it kind of almost felt to me like he might have been wanting to tell the same stories on Studio 60 that he was going to tell on Sports Night. Uh but Sports Night was a 30-minute comedy that was on there in the – when was it? Like about 2000, 2001? It was a ways. About. And it yeah. was another one that – well, something that, that Studio 60 didn't get that Sports Night did get was Sports Night was really well-received by critics. Studio 60, it doesn't seem like anybody saw that show. Like I never heard about them it, getting critical acclaim. I never heard – it. clearly they didn't get pushed for Emmys, which would have been their their salvation. If yeah. NBC had put forth that show for consideration by the Emmys, I think it would have won Emmys, and I think that well, would have been – or Golden Globes. They don't win awards by accident. They get pushed by the networks. That's how That's how they get out there. Well, that may be a clue as to what you were saying about their attitude toward the show. They might have you know, just wanted to, wanted to see it die after a certain point. Um, yeah. Those yeah, are subtle split. ways in which you can save a dying show like that. But another thing is, like, after the first time it aired, the internet rumor started that the show was going to be canceled. It's like, oh, they're already talking about it. it's not performing like they thought it would. It's like, what did you think it was going to do Monday night at 10 o'clock? Yeah. It, 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 it was a terrible time slot. And then they replaced it with the Black Donnellys, which I never even watched an episode of that. Nah, I can't Mainly do a, it. It was out of protest. Yeah, it was a boycott. <laughs> Everyone told me that show's good. It's like, I'll never know. <laughs> then on Studio 60, you're going to take a show off the air, and I always hate this in television. Don't you just yank something and not tell somebody. <laughs> like, you're watching a show, it's okay. The next week, the show's not on. And that, nothing bothers me more than that. Well, so that was another thing. I mean, I think, um, yeah, you're right. It was just not on you know gone and halfway through a season you could tell the season wasn't wound up yet uh and uh and i had to go looking for it i had to, you know i had to check the message boards and all that sort of thing to find out when they were going to air those shows and uh you know it was a shame i mean you know i guess if we're talking to the world here which I'm, i keep forgetting but we uh uh you know check out studio 60 you know wait for the dvd set or yeah i will buy that yeah, I will pay the overinflated prices for that one because that's like better, you know they talk but, about what kills me about that. And after watching the finale of that show, is you know you'll talk about sports and you'll talk about a coach has a perfect season. You'll talk about like a team has a perfect season. Rarely in television, you know, do you have a show that has a perfect season. And I think Studio sixty, especially for all all the trouble they had really had a perfectly developed season especially because you can tell halfway through they had to sort of rework it because they knew they weren't coming back like so they had to take an existing storyline and they had to find a way to put a finale to it and and they did that, that fairly brilliantly for not having a lot of time to work on things I, I hate to see I hate to see somebody make something like that and then not get reward for it. But then they'll make shows, but this guy, he's 30 and he might want to date some chick who's 20. Oh, he might want to date some chick who's 40. Can you oh. imagine dating someone who's 40? My Jeez. wife is watching that show as we speak. The wives of the world are making television suck. I'm telling you this because you're a married man and you're contributing to the problem. <laughs> Where it's like all of a sudden you can't remember. You know you're not going to argue about TV because there's too many things in the world. So all of a sudden you find yourself telling people, no, Grey's Anatomy, that's a pretty good show. You should check that out sometime. It's not bad. Of course it's not bad because you've been watching crap for your entire marriage. You're just happy for something with a story. Thanks for the intervention there, Sean. Patrick Dempsey, he's okay, I guess. So Brooks, if you're ever going to talk on this podcast again, you got to go watch Studio 60, man. Yeah, yeah, I we left you out TV. of that one. I'm sorry. I know. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I don't like TV. I like it. I just don't ever see it. Well, we could have talked about Heroes, which you did watch, and I, I do think Heroes. that's a really I good show. That. I thought got, I thought Heroes was a really good show. It 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 started off kind of interesting, and then it got kind of dumb, and then it got pretty good, and then it ended really dumb. <laughs> That's my review in a nutshell. <laughs> and you well, cannot put it more succinctly that. either, because that's absolutely true. Well, I guess that takes care of that uh, little line of uh, uh, review I'm, there. I'm very curious about how Season it's going to look when it comes back. I don't no, know, man, you, because there was a, there was talk that they were saying that the show was not coming back, that the producers wanted to stop at season one, tell the whole story, and then make a whole different show next year, not no make way. heroes. No way. The networks won't let them. Not that thing. You know. But you know, after next year, they won't care because next year is going to be lackluster no matter what. And that's because, you know, this is what happened with 24. You have these shows that have all these neat twists and all this stuff and people get really interesting. And then the next year, it's like you can't continue to top that. And I think what they made Heroes work. topped the ending of this one, though. Well, I don't think this one like set a real high bar for that. For it was a, very anticlimactic. So it's they, a show they could easily that built that. every episode on having a neat twist, and then at the end, everything you expect to happen happens exactly. Like there's no except for like, oh, I'm in feudal Japan. Like so, like chased by robot panda. No one well, would see, have seen. I, I didn't think it happened <laughs> at all like what I was expecting, not even remotely. Well, because I was expecting it to be cool, but that was all the things well, they were building to. I was expecting to. them – they had the two characters, each with like infinite numbers of powers. They were going to fight, and it, 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 they've been building up for it this whole time. And what do they do? He punches him. They have like the ability to, to – <laughs> this, this happens in every uh, movie or TV show matter. like this. Do you ever see that movie Sphere with, and he's with like, Dustin Hoffman? The girl Hoffman? comes up and hits him, and he's like, back off. I got this. And then he turns around, and he punches him in the face. That's all he can do? I'm like, <laughs> One thing that I'm makes the saying. show kind of cool is you can see how the characters are kind of limited by their the imaginations of real people. Because you can think if the writer, that's all they can think of, maybe a guy with infinite power, that's all he'd think of. That's one and, of the and, sad things. But every time there's a movie again, like that, it's they, where they're like, oh, whatever's in our mind is coming true. Those movies and those TV shows are always super lame because that's what happened in, in Sphere, where it's like all our greatest nightmares. It's like, are you telling me that of all the things that Sam Jackson has seen in his life, the squid in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is the scariest thing he ever thought of? Ever? <laughs> the Sam Jackson, man. <laughs> Think some snakes think on a plane and got eaten by sharks. <laughs> but I think then I know they did. The star of the show is going to be Event Horizon was and like that, where it's I, like I their greatest fears he... come to life and they're all lame. I want to get back onto the heroes again, but but if, if people haven't seen it, then they're not going to know what I'm talking about. So I'm not going to make an effort to explain. But at the end, you know, they're the guy's going to blow up. He's going to take out the whole city. He's like, I've got to sacrifice myself. His brother comes in. He's like, you know what we have to do. And he grabs him and flies, flies him in away. space or whatever. But he okay, absorbs okay, no, his power. That's a spoiler. Don't You, you shouldn't well, really. These are all spoilers. We're talking about shows. For a while. If you haven't seen I'll these shows in movies, it. you don't need to be listening. Because these are all spoilers. At any rate. I'm just saying. We'll get email. I hope we get email. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, Peter Petrelli. He can yes, fly. He, he absorbs need people's his powers. To exactly space. that. Exactly that. Like well, the same so thing where he's like, maybe you he could tell about to take a cosmic crap. Maybe he couldn't fly. <laughs> they should have done something like to explain that because totally, like he's like, teleport me out of here. Like you can teleport too, man, because you absorb powers. Exploding is an absorbed power. That's how he got it. Yeah. I don't know. The, the show didn't really hook me. Uh, I I watched the first, you know, seven or eight episodes, and I wanted to really like it, but it moved too slow. I think it was just a, you know. Well, some of the characters were more interesting than others, and the episodes that concentrated on the less interesting characters weren't as good. Like I didn't really care about the the blonde girl with the multiple personalities and her husband and kid very much. And they didn't ever really matter in the course of the show ever. Yeah, I'm not entirely well, sure what their yeah, purpose was. Yeah, it turns was. out that way. Yeah, it didn't matter at all. They didn't and apparently, uh, you know, and, and the guy who could read minds, I mean, he was just there to get shot at the end. Yeah, so, that, and there was a girl they introduced once that could, like, affect the internet or travel through the internet I know. Somehow. What happened to her? She, like, totally disappeared. She came disappeared. in once and then disappeared forever. 
I don't know. I guess someone came in and said, that's kind of a stupid power. Well, it could I be tie in. You know, they're probably going to start, you know, it's like a comic book. You know, when you read a comic book, you know, a superhero will appear for one for one issue and then they'll go away. And See, un- unfortunately, and, uh, it, it wasn't like a comic book because comic books are, I think, much more have a, I guess, because they've been doing it for a, a hundred years almost. But they, they really know how to to string characters along and make cool bad guys and stuff that, that makes sense. This movie looked like it was a TV show trying to be a comic book. They probably could have, they should have gotten some comic book writers on board, and it probably would have been a better story. Well, they story. did have some, like, if you notice, one of the consultants on the show was Jeff Lebb, and he's, like, one of the biggest comic writers there are. He's also a consultant on Lost. But I think they're going for a certain thing in a certain format, and that's limited. Like, they're trying to do a superhero concept where there are no tights they're trying to do it where it's on a somewhat realistic plane but clearly it's not realistic they're not going for realism but they're going for a sort of visual realism they want to do like a story that's sort of like what if real people got superpowers but not realistically what people would do because they'd all rob banks you know they wouldn't there would be no heroes if people just woke up and had superpowers (laughs) Like, you would not find that, that just half of them are good and half of them are bad, and they would fight each other. They'd never know each other. They just – everybody would be off doing their individual mischief. Or they'd all be like celebrities. They certainly wouldn't be like, I've got a destiny. Yeah, exactly. the world. That's what I think – I really think people gravitate to that show for that reason because I really do think, you know, I watched every season of, of 24 up to this year because this year it was competing with Heroes, and I watched Heroes. But that's because in 24, it's gotten so jaded that they're like killing characters every week and they're torturing somebody and they're always killing people for the greater good. And like people don't want to see that right now because that's a little too close to home. We want heroes that are somewhat uncompromising in that they do believe like they have a destiny. They do believe you have to like save the world. You know, that's a much that's an appealing idea right now because we don't see that in the world. Well, do they have to be so lame? Well, that's, that's all, all a matter of writing. <laughs> like, anybody can come up and say, what if there were heroes? But not anybody can write it. That's why I think Hero was a cool character, because he was, like, just a comic book guy. Woo-hoo! Yeah, exactly. Yeah, woo-hoo! <laughs> that's what makes him awesome. <laughs> I in New York! Woo-hoo! Amazing. Just, just his pluck. His superhero pluck. That's his superpower. I will be a hero. Heroes are never afraid. Just like, all right, all right, man. <laughs> heroes apparently have never had girlfriends either well that's probably true <laughs> anyone who's aspired to be a superhero man it's it's made life harder when in the girl area because girls man they don't care about that at all and i i don't want to get too deep into the details because you know i'll probably end up editing this out but i really didn't like the part where hero was training with his dad you know sulu well what's annoying about that there, is they're there for like, like an hour full garb even more than that, you it looks the way they edit it. It looks like it's a week of hard, intense training. Because at the end, he's like, "You have taught me the way of the sword and stuff." You don't learn that in an hour. <laughs> but anyway, he leaves after that, and he's got a different change of clothes on and everything. It's not like he just goes. I mean, he leaves and he's like, "Where's my friend?" <laughs> like, oh, he left. Standing <laughs> like, outside he for a week. <laughs> what a I mean, joke! That was one of the stupidest things I've ever I've ever seen because it it really <laughs> took you out of the scene completely and made you realize how badly edited that was there's like wait a second a montage is supposed to create the illusion of time passing and they do create the illusion of time passing that's the problem (laughs) until he comes back and it's like an hour later yeah thank you for the quick lesson in sword play that hero has used his powers to freeze time for a week (laughs) while they train but he he was off by an hour or something so his friend left to go kill the guy or whatever anyway Never mind. Yeah. Uh, I'm you lost you. me. I got you. <laughs> well, that's how I felt when you got us talking about Studio 60. Uh, so, Well, let's talk about something we all saw, which was the weird trailer at the beginning of Transformers. Uh, that's apparently oh, yeah. a J.J. The, a Abrams movie that project. does not have a title. The release date, yes. I am told by my cousin, the release date is what they're using as the title because they don't have a name for this movie yet. Well, I'm actually looking at it now on the Internet Movie Database, and it says, Untitled J.J. Abrams Project 2008. And That's, just, I think that is a very clever marketing it's technique. It's neat, but it looks like a Blair Witch kind of thing. Because it's got people talking about it. it. The trailer makes it look like the entire movie is shot POV with camcorders. 
And if it is, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be a hard sell for for me. I don't know, man. It, that that trailer hooked me, and because it, 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 it was. It was scary. I mean, because it was, it is what like you would normally say. It had the same effect as, um, you know, World War of the Worlds, the Tom Cruise film, where in the trailer you saw the battle from on the other side of a hill, and uh, you know you saw like the plumes yeah, you and the flames see the sky and all lighting of, up, which is what you would see in a situation like that. If you weren't in the middle of the battle, you'd see it from a distance, and in uh, that. In that trailer, you know, it was shot with video apparently, and then you know they pan away and they see this big mushroom cloud coming up from downtown, and um, you know, to me it was it was it was pretty cool. I'm I'm looking forward to whatever it, it is. It must be about like a meteor hitting the Earth or something. They make it look like there's a monster. It's clearly something. I think it's a Godzilla space. movie. I think it's Godzilla. That would be great. But I got to tell you something that that's selling me against it right now is I'm a big Lost fan. I started watching Lost on Netflix for a while and, you know, uh, up till this year. And one of the things that made Lost so cool at the beginning was you never knew what was happening. And there was always – and just when you thought things were as weird as they could be, like they get attacked by a polar bear. And you're like, well, that's weird. But then it turns out there's a monster on the island. And that becomes the coolest thing in the show for a while because it's things are bad enough or weird enough, but there's also some kind of unidentified monster. They just hear this like this rumbling, and something's moving the trees, and like the the ground is shaking. You're like, good lord, you know they can never show this monster. Doesn't it eat the pilot or whatever? Yeah, and it's like, good god, that's awesome. And while a lot of things unfold in that show that are cool and they got a lot of stuff coming about, that monster never comes across in the show and it's like the, the the number one disappointment of that show for me that that monster does not come across because they do bring it back and it gets lame and that's all I can think of when I see this like yeah those guys are great at building mood they're great at like the mystery of it but when it gets down to the meat of it I'm scared that it's going to be nothing and I don't want to invest all this time and have it be nothing especially if it's just a bunch of jerks running around with camcorders yeah, War of the Worlds was a pretty good example, like like Greg said though, because some of the scenes when when he's running back to his house or after he sees whatever it is, and there are people just going, "Hey man, what's going on? What's happening?" And they're just kind of on the street, a little confused, and he's like charging past them. <laughs> I know because he just that, saw that's the stuff. pretty. Yeah, that's a pretty convincing and realistic, scary kind of scene. That's what makes that a good story because it's called War of the Worlds, but it's told from a very a very human point of view. It's it's from the little guy. He's not he's not in the war. He's just yeah, scattered. he's not a soldier. Yeah. He's actually just hiding the whole time, trying not to get killed. They actually put some scenes in there this... that kind of ruin it where, you know, he becomes a little bit more aggressive, where they, like, blow up one of the tripods or whatever. But it's much more it... believable when, you know, the best that they can do, and barely that, is just run like hell. It would be cool if this was a Godzilla movie, because it, it, it could use some uh, reclamation from that. 90s version which well was... that's that's you know actually i've heard a little bit of scuttlebutt across the internet that, that you know there may be a, a godzilla movie coming out but it didn't have what i heard didn't have jj abrams attached to it no see what I, but, I i find it hard to believe that they're a project that this big this late in the game and there's no internet talk about what it actually is like surely well, it's out there that's what know, scared. they're it. trying to create buzz for something that's really not that much yeah but well, but if it's been shot with video cameras and and you know produced in a studio type, I mean, I guess you could keep a lid on it. But yeah, Perhaps. you're right though. It, it would be kind of hard to to do that. Uh, but there, I mean, it's coming out according to the website here, one eighteen. Well, it kind of has to because they're using still, they're so. using that as the name because there is no actual name in advertising and promoting this thing. That's effectively the title of the movie. I think it's clever because it's got people talking. It's got us talking. It's clever marketing, but, um, but I'm a, I'm yeah. worried there's nothing behind it. I would like to see stuff like that. I love stuff like that. Like 28 Days Later, when you take yeah. a classic genre and you put it, you put a more realistic face on it. That's a great movie. Yeah, I haven't seen 28 Days Later, and I and I want to actually because everybody speaks so highly of it, and I and I didn't see it initially because I'm not a big horror movie fan, but. You know, this one 
it, it does sound like it's you know got a good story and everything, so I would like to see it. Well, it's not specifically a zombie movie, but it definitely takes the zombie genre and makes something out of it. Like it makes it scary because those guys are really by scary. God scary. The movie itself is less scary than the idea of the movie because really most of the movie is just them on the run but every now and then they run into one of those things and they're not like ambling around kind of zombies they're like just full on crazy people turbo zombies just crazy screaming bloody murder running at you like they cannot wait yeah, to like eat your face zombies savages like not just that but it's like you're walking through the, the the parking deck and you accidentally knock over a can and then like eight miles away they hear it and like yeah, what and the hell <laughs> like something is alive in on earth i mean they're so because it kinda, cause you, it all, you know it they're coming back to the the actual primitive brain of actually being hunted by a predator they really tap that's into something primal that horror fear. movies should really explore more because that's something we all have inside of us a fear that innate to humanity to all life you know well so, yeah i've seen a horror movie like that that would legitimately freak me out i'll probably enjoy more but but generally horror movies are just so stupid Oh yeah, well, uh, well this is a smart movie. It's hard and, because and the really scary part is, is when they actually run into the the actual other humans. That's like the soldier and that's guys. The crux that's of the scarier. zombie genre. It's the people in zombie movies that are more scary, but uh, or scarier. But uh, it's the people well, in zombie movies are yet. actually scary more than the the monsters. But in these, it's both because if you go outside, I mean, you know they're coming from miles away because not only are they running at you full tilt, they are just screaming their heads off like just like just vicious animals. Because not even predatory, they don't do they don't even eat the people. They just kill them. They just tear them to pieces. Because in Twenty Eight Days Later, it's not a zombie thing. It's something has happened that triggers like a rage reflex in in people. Well, it's a bloodborne pathogen of some yeah, kind. Yeah, and they that, become that releases just, chemicals in their brain that just drive them into mm -hmm, madness. Yeah. Wild rages, like rampaging animals. Like they're not even. But they like, are zombies. Well, it's because zombies. they don't. That, that they movie, don't need food or water. Like they don't. The guy's got that one chained out for weeks and it never dies. But they're not. But they're not dead at first. It's not. <laughs> It's not zombies yeah. technically because they don't – they're not animated dead people. But it's zombies in that it's clearly the same genre. It's clearly taking from the zombie genre. It's taking it to the next level because if it weren't for 28 Days Later, they wouldn't have done the Dawn of the Dead remake the way they did because the zombies in that are actually scary because they jump around and run at you. And they're a lot harder to deal with than zombies of the earlier movies. Well, we should definitely do a uh, an episode on that. And uh, for more info on all of this, you can go to tv8mydinner.com or check out darkcrazy.com. That's Sean's site. It's got lots of cool stuff on there. You can also Mr. you can cool. email us at, at feedback at darkcrazy.com. I'll get us a personalized email in the next episode. Your show sucks, man. Hey, I'll take it. I'm happy to have anybody watch, listen, or listen. or respond to anything we make. Folks, and you're, you're my name is Greg. I'm, Brooks and Sean. I'm Sean. Good night. Until next time. And then we need Sean to say something clever that we can uh, sign off with every week. Well, not, not now. Now that you well, yes, now because I can edit out all that stuff. Put all the pressure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Exactly. Um, <laughs> next, next week we'll have pie. <laughs> all right, that's it. I'll edit that. That's the ending. There you go. Okay.